Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas or at church1132.com. Uh, climb higher, part 7, Exodus chapter 34, and I'm going to read verse 1 through 10. It says, the Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. You remember the first ones? We talked about those last week. These are the ones that he broke. Chisel these out like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke, he reminds him. Be ready in the morning, and then come up on Mount Sinai. Climb higher. Climb up to Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave this guilty un- the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and the fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. Lord, he said, if I found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Then the Lord said, I'm making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. I want to speak on Climb Higher Part 7, our, our, our seventh lesson, our seventh segment uh, of this message. And we're going to draw this from the text uh, that we had started last week in, in Exodus. And uh, we found Moses going up on the mountain. Moses went up on the mountain. While he's on the mountain, the people of Israel said it's taken a long time. He's been gone a long time. And while he was gone, they lose their minds. Literally, like, lose their minds. There's, they, they make a, a golden calf. They begin to worship it. They're having an orgy. I mean, it's just crazy. Sin is everywhere. And, and Moses comes down the mountain, and he's grieved because these people had forsaken God so easily. And we talked last week about it is so important for you not to rely on someone else to climb for you. It is really important for you not to depend or to lean on someone else for the entirety of your faith. Other people can be a source of encouragement and strength. They just can't be Jesus. Your wife, your husband, they can be a source of strength and encouragement. They just can't be Jesus. That might be why your marriage isn't working. You expect him to be Jesus, but he's not. He's him. He's He's human. But you expect him to be Jesus to you because you're broken inside and now you haven't given him a chance to succeed. But if you would actually be made whole through him, all of a sudden you'd see your husband through different lights. That's safe for the marriage conference. We're going to leave that alone. See, what I'm trying to say is that God has to be our source. It's cliche. It's, it, it's super spiritual. It's things that we dismiss as a common practice or a common thought that, yes, God has to be our source, but it is so difficult to actually live out that God is the one that we look to, 
that he's the one that we lean on, that he's the one that we rely on. And we find this, that Joshua, last week in the text, Joshua was one who laid before God. He stayed at the tent of meeting. He relied on God. And when Moses died, Moses was gone, Aaron lost his mind. When Moses died, Joshua rose to power. So you can find what you depend on by what happens when it leaves. When Moses was gone, Aaron went crazy. When Moses was gone from Joshua, Joshua rose up. See, your leaders should support what God is already doing in you. They shouldn't be your support. They should support the relationship that you already have. So in Exodus chapter 34, now God asked Moses to go back up to the mountain, and he was already gone 40 days and 40 nights, and now he says, I want you to go back, and I'm going to do this again for another 40 days and 40 nights. And he is going to write on the Ten Commandments, on these tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments once again. Uh, my wife and I, we just got back from Europe, and, and so we visited our, our missionaries in London. And, and uh, on, the, on the trains, on the subways, whenever you step across from the platform to the train, it says, mind the gap. That's how you know, they say it with their, with their vernacular. Mind the gap. We would say, look out for the gap. Watch out. Be careful. They say, mind the gap. And, and, and so we saw these signs everywhere because there was always a gap between where you are and, and where you were going. And that gap was dangerous if you didn't see it. So you could put yourself in position, but if you didn't know the gap was there, you could lose your progress by falling into the gap between the vehicle that was going to take you to where you were going and where you are right now. I would propose to you that you are somewhere right now, but not where you want to be. And in between here where you are and where you want to be is a gap. And if you don't mind the gap, you have a possibility of slipping and falling and missing the vehicle that will take you into your destiny. I'm here to tell you this morning that God has huge plans for you. Some of you dismiss that so easily because you've heard it so many times, but it doesn't take away the validity or the truth of the statement that God has a plan for you. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your family. He has a plan for your future. It doesn't always happen in the time that we'd like it to. It doesn't always happen in the way that we'd like it to, but God has a plan, and let me just tell you this, it's good. God has a plan, and the plan is good. So multiple times we would go into uh, the subway stations and we would jump over or step over the gap and we had to keep in mind that there was a gap from where we were to where we are going. And as we begin this morning, I think it's just very important and imperative for the text and as we outline the text that you realize that God is trying to move you from where you are to where you're supposed to be. There is a vehicle called God's will and God's provision that is trying to fast forward your life into your destiny. But if you don't mind the gap, if you don't recognize the process, then you could miss the train. And in, in this story, we find Moses, he's back on the mountain, and, and, and we know this from our text and from this entire series is that the mountain served as a meeting place with God. The mountain was where Moses met with God. God would tell Moses, if you're faithful to come up, I will be faithful to come down. So we have used this in our series, Climb Higher means getting away with God. Climbing higher means spending time in prayer. Climbing higher means getting to a place where you can just focus on God. To Moses, it was a physical mountain. To you, it is just time and space. 
And I found this, that the things that look large in the valley look small on the mountain. The problems that I think could take me out in the valley when I get on the mountain don't look so impressive. And so it is imperative for us as believers to learn how to climb. To learn how to get above life's circumstances, life difficulties, life crises, life's, life's tribulations, life's temptations, and get above them and be able to see what God sees and think what he thinks. There's a, there's a couple things that happened when Moses, uh, in, in his climbing, and, and these things were revealed. Moses' practice of climbing, it revealed his own purpose. Moses found his purpose not by God showing up in the valley. God gave Moses his assignment, his job on the mountain through a burning bush. So if you want to find your assignment, you can't just wait for your assignment to find you. There's a quote that says that you have to seize, if you heard of this, you have to seize the, the opportunity of a lifetime in the lifetime of the opportunity. You, you can't just decide that your destiny is going to come and knock on your door. You've got to knock on the door of destiny, which means that there has to be some drive in us to move towards everything that God has for us. And the people that have that drive usually are the ones that discover what God has for us. And this is the same with Moses. Moses was wandering, but he made himself get up on a mountain. And on the mountain, he met with God. And on the mountain of God, he found his purpose. He found out what he was supposed to be doing on this planet by meeting with God. And I'm going to just tell you this. Your purpose is bigger than you. This is hard for some of us to understand because we think the entirety of our existence is about us. Especially in America and especially in the younger generation, it's like everything that we do in this life should be for us. And if it's not for us, then it's not fair. If you don't agree with me, it's not right. If you don't like it the way I like it, then, then that's wrong for you. It's right for me. And, and, and we totally get out of purpose by realizing that our purpose is not us. We're put on this planet for something bigger than what we want. I am so glad you're doing well in your career. Did you know that's not God's purpose? It's bigger than your career. He will use your career, and he will use your platform, and he will use your resources. But he is not all up in heaven tense about you getting the next promotion so that you can have a greater name. But he is concerned that he could meet with you and have relationship with you, and that by you getting a promotion and having a bigger name, that you could make his name famous and his name more glorious and his name more popular. We've got it all backwards is we think that everything that we're doing and everything that God should do for us should exalt us. But it should be the flip side that everything that we do should exalt him. And every time we succeed, it should give him glory. And every time we're blessed, it should give him glory. And every time we take a step forward, it should give him glory. He found his purpose. Moses' practice of climbing, it revealed his power. I don't know who this is for today, but I want you to know that God would not call you to something without giving you the power to accomplish it. That he would be outside his character and outside who he is to say, I want you to do that, but I'm not going to give you the power to do it. Whenever God calls you to something, he also empowers you to do it. 
God's calling is his equipping. And you know, the greatest feeling in the world is to be nervous that you can't do something that God's called you to do. Because that means, my friend, is that God's power has to click in on your behalf. And if I've learned anything about God, it is that in my weakness, he is made strong. It is not in my strength he strengthens me. It is in my weak place that he fills me with his strength. That is what Moses found out on the mountain is when he was insufficient. God was all sufficient. And when he was powerless, God was powerful. That's why you can actually, and I know this sounds different, but you can actually get excited when you face a crisis. Because if God called you to something on the other side of that crisis, that means he's given you the power in the crisis to make it through. That means that thing should not take you out because you've got an assignment on the other side of that crisis. I've, told, I've probably told this story before, but Jamie and I, we were flying one time, and, and, and she doesn't like flying at, at all. And uh, in our early years of marriage, it was like I would get off the plane with claws, claw marks in my leg because she would be so stressed out. She'd just be squeezing. And, and so we, we were on this flight, and, and, um, and I was probably, it's probably our first year of marriage. I was still arrogant and full of myself. And uh, so I said, you know, as a man of God and a man of faith, I said, don't you worry. I still got work to do on the other side of this flight. <laughs> there is no way that God's going to let us go down because God still has a plan for me out there. I already, I have not seen everything that God showed me, so you can just rest easy. And I forgot that God showed me that being alive, and she helped me see this, is that, that, that that doesn't mean that I would, wouldn't be paralyzed. That's a really good point. I started praying my prayers. I'm like, okay, okay, now, now you got me worried because it, we could go down and I could barely survive and then that's my assignment on the other side. I'm going to tell you this. If you've still got purpose, God still has power. If you still got purpose... God still has power, and he will not call you to something that he will not equip you for, empower you to do, and lead you in victory. I'm telling you, everything that God sets his mind to do and everything he does through us, he has the power to accomplish. Otherwise, he would have never risked the cross. And I can't, I can't even go there right now. I can't even, because he, 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 would, have he would have never risked the cross he would have never risked his son if he thought that maybe he didn't have the power. His right arm didn't have the power that he needed to work salvation for it. He would have never risked the life of the one that he loved so much. But he knew that whatever the purpose was, there was power for it. So he says, I'll sacrifice my son with the full assurance that the devil can't stop what God has began. And that God will always finish what he started. He found out his power. And this is... What I think is really unique is a lot of us stop right here as we find purpose and we find power. But what Moses found is he found his people. And what I mean by this is if your vision is still limited to you, you have not climbed high enough yet. When you begin to climb higher, you begin to get away with God, you begin to be with him, all of a sudden your vision changes from you 
to those around you. And this is what happened to Moses. Moses was minded in his own business. He had given up on deliverance. He had given up on being a leader. And he was just leading some sheep on the backside of a desert. But God wasn't done with him yet. So on the mountain in Exodus chapter 3 in the burning bush, God calls him. And now Moses goes back to lead the Israelites. And he finds out that even though they're stubborn and even though they're stiff-necked, we find all the way through the wilderness battle, Moses going to bat for the Israelites over and over and over again. Even one time, the Bible says that God was about to kill the Israelites because of their anger, because of his anger towards them, because they had sinned. And it says that Moses, he would have destroyed them if not Moses had stood in the gap. See, when you really begin to understand God, and you really begin to understand his purpose, God will begin to put people in your heart. And all of a sudden, your vision is bigger than you. It's for the people around you. Your money is bigger than you. It's for the people around you. Your, 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 your talents are bigger than you. It's for the people around you. See, this is what happens when you begin to climb higher. And if you've never had a heart for people, you just haven't climbed high enough. Even when we're talking about in, in inviting or being a witness or sharing your faith, if that is, if you cannot overcome your fear to do it, it just means that you haven't climbed high enough yet. Because when you climb high enough, you will be filled with love for people. The Bible says Jesus moved with compassion. He wasn't just out on a power trip. Hey, let's raise some people from the dead today. Let's, let's interrupt a funeral today. Where's the deaf guy? I'm going to make him here. Bring me that lame guy. Not just lame, but paralyzed too. Bring him up here. And let's, he, he wasn't just looking for that. It says that he was moved with compassion. I don't know who this is for this morning, but God is moved with compassion towards you. He is sympathetic to your weaknesses. He's sympathetic to your trials. He's sympathetic to what you're going through. But I'll tell you this, when he rescues it from it and you continue to climb, all of a sudden he's going to turn your attention outward to people all around you. This text says, God tells Moses to get ready, to be ready in the morning. I wanna to touch on this for a morning because I think a lot of believers are unready. And I think that this is God's call to us, is, is what he said to Moses, is the same that's true to us, is that we have to be ready. We, 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 we've gotta get ready. What does that mean to be ready? He said, get ready. Get ready, Moses. Get ready, I've got something for you. I got you. you know what? When I, when I was growing up in early years playing sports, my, my coach, I had one of the most phenomenal baseball coaches, and he would always tell me, Dustin, get in the ready position. Get in, get in the ready position. Because you can react faster and you can move quicker when you're in a ready position than if you're on your heels. And so he said, stay in the ready position. And when I was praying for you this week, I felt like God, right from this text, just shouted to us, we've got to get ready. You've, you, you've got to get ready for God to do something in your life. I just spoke at a conference this last week, and, and, and I was telling them that it's one thing to ask, but it's another thing to expect. We, 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 sometimes we ask God, and we have our lists full, but do you actually expect him to move? Do you actually expect him to respond? You've got to be ready. When you pray, you need to begin to look 
for the answer. You need to start checking the mail and checking the window and checking the doctor's report because you release something by your prayer and the prayer is supernatural. And the Bible says he hears the prayers of his people. And if we ask, then we will receive. And if we seek, we will find. And if we knock, the door will be opened unto us. So it is imperative that if you're going to pray, that you better better expect God to come through. It says, God told Moses to get ready. Be ready in the morning. You know what I found is that the more time that I spend consistently before God, the more I think what he thinks and I see what he sees. My perspective is completely adjusted and altered by me spending time in the presence of God. And I've heard people say, well, Pastor, I just don't have the time to spend time in prayer. And I just want to say this, is that you will prioritize what you're passionate about. That, that's just bottom line. If, it's, if you're passionate about it or it's important to you, you will prioritize it. Well, Pastor, I just don't have an hour to get up and pray. I'm not asking you to pray for an hour, but you need to find some time. And you got an hour to get up and work out. And, and you got three hours to sit and watch TV. And, and you got, like, I, I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm just trying to help us see, like, what, what, what is the priority about our connection with God? You need supernatural empowerment in your life that equips you to take on what you have to go through. Last time I checked, this life isn't that easy. It's full of heartache and heartbreak and trauma and tragedy, and that's just what life is. And the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. So you can be good and get it bad, and you can be bad and have it bad. It doesn't matter who you are. Life happens. And in life happening, I just hope that we would be found ready. Ready. He said, get yourself ready. You have to put work into your climbing schedule. I tell our interns, tell our staff all the time, when you're seeking God, you need a time and a place. I should be able to ask you, when do you seek God? And you tell me a time and tell me a place. If you miss any of those elements, most of the time, your time with God will get hijacked by something more important or something that distracts you in your schedule. Where is your time? What's your time and where is your place? Because if you have a time and don't have a place, you'll spend your time finding a place. And if you have a place and not a time, then you don't know where to go to your place. It's both. It is finding time and a place. So I've got a place, and I've got a time. And in that moment, I meet with God. What does that mean, meet with God? It sounds so spiritual. It's actually really simple. It's be with God. It's actually really enjoyable. Grab a cup of coffee, turn on some music, take 20 minutes, and think about the goodness of God. Well, do I have to, like, jump around and yell and scream? No, you don't. You could just open your Bible and read the Psalms and sip on some coffee. Play some, it sounds nice, doesn't it? You'll pay all kinds of money to go do it in a spa. You should just make a little spa in your house, sip some coffee, and be with Jesus for a little bit and learn how to climb above the situations that are weighing you down. You, we go to all of these other things to relax, but I'm telling you, if you would learn how to spend time with God, it would do more for you than you ever imagined that it could. It will begin to rejuvenate you. It will begin to restore you and refresh you. And so God told Moses, be ready, because he was about to do something. The next thing he says is, present yourself to me there. He says, I want you to be ready, and I want you to present yourself to me. I want you to be ready, and then I want you to present yourself to me. Now, this is something that we kind of, it's kind of difficult for us, because 
We, we, we want God to present himself to us. My number one conversation with young people is, I don't feel God. And because I can't feel him, I don't know that he's there. It's, it's number one. It's like, I just don't feel him like I used to feel him. And maybe any of us have walked through this and, and, and understand this, but a lot of times we're waiting on God to speak to us, and we're waiting on God to move for us. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, it says, present yourself. To, what God was saying to Moses was a type and shadow of what Paul would write in Romans and ask of us. And he says, present yourself to God as a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they offered dead sacrifices. They would put dead sacrifices on altars to try to atone for sin. But the Bible says in the New Testament, Paul says in the book of Romans, he says, now I present something brand new to you. I want you to present yourself as a living sacrifice. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. I was hearing Bishop T.D. Jakes teach on this in his masterful way. And he was saying this, he he was saying that, that everything we go through, the tragedy, the trial, the difficulty, the hardship, everything that we go through, man, that is so good that we're going through what we're going through because we are a living sacrifice. And you think that a living sacrifice might go through some things because a living sacrifice is bound to an altar, but it's not dead, it's alive, which means you still feel, which means that you've got to tie your will to his will. And that is difficult because we want to live for ourselves and we want to do what I want to do. But Bishop, when he was talking, he says that when your will is tied to his will, that is where the living sacrifice happens. When your will submits to his will, when your will bows to his will. And you know what? Many of us are so proud of that when we can do it, me included. God, look at, look at, I'm submitting. Look at, I want what you want. This is big. I actually want it. I'm not doing it with the wine. I'm not doing it crying. I really want what you want. And then the last part of the verse says, this is your reasonable service. I wanted like an award. You know, God, I've been serving you a long time. I've been preaching this gospel since I was 16 years old. I've been in church every single week, preaching every single Sunday, multiple times a week. Yeah, good. That's your reasonable service. In light of everything that I've done for you, Dustin, it's reasonable. God, I've been through some stuff. You hurt me, God. I was following you, and I got hurt. By saying yes to you, I got injured. Have you ever been there before? By, by, by trying to tie my will up to yours, which I thought should be applauded, I got hurt in the process. And he says, and that's reasonable. That's reasonable. It kind of puts it into perspective. I'm not trying to belittle your pain or belittle what you feel because it's real and it's true. But God says, come on, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to me, which is your reasonable. James says, when you face trials of many kinds, consider it pure joy. How do you consider it pure joy? When you recognize 
that it's reasonable to go through what I'm going through in light of what he went through to get me. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to be whipped, to be beaten, to be stretched wide and hung high so that you and I might have life. And now whatever we go through on this earth, if God never does another thing for us, it's reasonable. We come into worship like, God, you see me right here? 930 service. Praise the Lord. Singing songs I don't even like. It's a little bit loud. I got the earplugs in. Dang it. Someone's in my chair. But here I am. God, do you see me? And he's like, eh, it's, it's reasonable. It's, well, pastor, I have the gift of prophecy, and I've been fasting for the last seven days, and I feel like I should take over the church and lead. You should hear some of this. God's saying, Whatever you're doing, it's reasonable. It's reasonable. God, but I'm living for you at college. Have you ever been to college, God? It's a battle out there. You ever heard of peer pressure? He says, it's, it's reasonable. Is it that tough to say no? Is it that tough to stand up? Is it, is it that hard? Hebrews says, have you resisted now to the point of shedding blood? It's like, whoa, okay. This thing escalated. My writer Hebrews just took it to another level. He, he, he's like, no one's shedding blood around here. Okay, take it back a couple notches. But it's reasonable. And this is what he tells Moses. He says, get yourself ready. Present yourself to me on top of the mountain. On top of the mountain. Revelations 4 one, it says this, after this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. He says, get yourself ready, present yourself and then get up on top of the mountain. Now this is key and you got to see this. He says, get on top of the mountain. You got to get way up. You got to go as high as you can go. You know what? Some things in life hit you so hard you got to climb really high. There's some things that life just throw the curveball, and, and, and you're hit so hard, you got to climb really, really high. And it says that Moses climbed up to the top of Mount Sinai. He was ready, he was prepared, and he got on the top of the Mount, Sin- Mount Sinai, and then this is what God did. It says, then the Lord came down. So when Moses got as high as he could, then God, this tells me something. Because I, Mo- I always thought God was on top of the mountain. This is the key. I always thought that if we got up on top of the mountain, that's where God would be. But it didn't say that. It says when Moses got to the top of the mountain, God came down. So even when he did everything he could do in his own strength, he still couldn't reach God. Even when he did everything in his own ability and he got to the top of what God had called him to get on top of with the law in his hands, intact, written by the very finger of God, God still had to come to him. And this is a type and shadow of what we would experience in New Testament living and now in church today is that we can do whatever we want, however we want to do it, and we can exhaust our effort and it still won't get us there. Well, Pastor, what's the point in climbing? No, no, you got to climb to be on the top. But if you get to the top, if you use everything you can use, then he'll come to you. If you're faithful to go up, God would be faithful 
to come down. God doesn't come down to you in the valley, in your secular living, in your selfish living. God says, as soon as you make the mindset shift to say, God, I want you, I'll come right down in your circumstance. I'll come right down in your situation. All you have to do is look on me, think on me, believe in me, and I'll come right down into your situation. You ever remember this story? This story in, in the book of, uh, I think it's in the book of Numbers, it says that with, with Moses, and, and the people were being attacked by sense, by snakes. This is in your Bible, in the Old Testament. They were, they were being attacked by snakes. And Moses cried out to God, and he said, God, what are we going to do? These snakes are attacking the people. And he says, make a bronze serpent and hang it on a cross. And then he says this. Anybody who looks at the serpent on the cross would be healed. And the story goes on that everyone that looked was healed but there were still some that refused to look. See, God says, come up to the mountain, and I'll come down to you. But there's some people at the bottom of the mountain saying, I'll wait till you come to me. And you can wait your whole life and miss God. What does it mean to climb? Is that my own effort, my own good works, my own ability? You can climb, the Bible says, by believing, by believing, and by confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. That just took you to a mountaintop. And as soon as you get on that mountaintop, God comes down right in that place. Every time that Moses was faithful to go up. So what does this mean for us? Every time that we're faithful to put our mind on God, God. So let's just take it to James. James says, draw near to me. So what does that mean? What is James saying? In, in, in this series, he's saying, if you climb up, God will come down. If you're faithful to get up on the mountain, then God will be faithful to come down. When I do what I can do, God does what I cannot. When I do what I can do, God does what I cannot. Some of you are like, well, I don't know how I'm going to do this. No, you just do what you can do. You do what you can do with your ability, your talent, your gifting, your anointing, and then trust that if God's calling you to it, he is going to do the rest. I can trust him in my journey. I can trust him in the gap because I know that he's made provision for me in the gaps of life. Everywhere that you come up short, God's made provision for you. Everywhere that you have an insufficiency, God's made provision for you. Everywhere that you have not been able to adhere to the perfect law of Jesus Christ, he has made provision for you. The gap between where you are and the vehicle to your destiny, God says, I've got grace for that. When you can't do it, you've climbed to the top of the platform and you still can't reach the vehicle of your destiny, my grace is what makes a bridge for you so that you can step into all that I have for you. I'm going to have somebody come to the keys and the band, and I'm going to close down with this. Moses is on the mountain. He climbs. God comes down. They have this meeting. It's amazing. They, it's, it's supernatural. It's the second time that he receives the Ten Commandments. And then the Bible says this. It says that God told Moses to take the Ten Commandments and to put them into the Ark of the Covenant. Now, we don't have time to totally go into it, but the ark represented the presence of God. And wherever they went, they would take the ark with them, the ark of the covenant. And in the ark of the covenant was the Ten Commandments, was some manna that God gave them to feed and to, to, to eat in the wilderness, and Aaron's staff, which had, had budded. It was a miracle that had happened. And, and, and so those three things were in the Ark of the Covenant to remember and, and to symbolize all that God has done. And so it says, when Moses went as far as he could go, and he couldn't go any more in his own strength, God came down, and he met him, and he gave him the law. 
the Ten Commandments. So then Moses came down and he put the Ten Commandments into the ark. Now, if you know how the ark was made, there was all kinds of ornate details about the ark. One of the most important was that it was made out of wood, but it was covered in gold. Jesus was a man, but he was God. He, he, was, he was wood, but he was covered in gold. He was humanity and divinity all wrapped into one. That, that's what it represented. It was, it was Jesus. It was the sacrifice. It was humanity, divinity, all, all wrapped up in one. And it says they put the law right in the ark. And when they shut the lid of the ark, on top of the lid is something called the mercy seat. And the mercy seat would drop down right on top of the law. So they'd put the law in the presence of God. And then when the, when, the, when the lid shut, the mercy seat would be right on top of the law. And it says every day, on, every year on the day of atonement, the high priest would come in and he would sprinkle blood onto the mercy seat. And the blood would run down the mercy seat onto the ark and it would forgive all people for all of their sins for that year. It was the day of atonement. When the blood was shed on the mercy seat, it ran down on the ark onto the Ten Commandments, and they were forgiven. When, when I'm sorry, I'm going somewhere, Eric. When, when, when Jesus died and he spilt his blood, he became our mercy seat. So now... It was not in our own efforts that we got to God or our own goodness, our own righteousness, or our own ability. It was purely the grace of God because we do the best that we can do and we climb as high as we can by following the Ten Commandments and following the law of God. But even after we have done all of that, we're still short of God. And the only thing that makes the connection is that when we do all we can do and God does what he can do and God sent Jesus as an atoning sacrifice, the Bible says one sacrifice for all mankind that once and for all the blood of Jesus would fall on the mercy seat and cover the law. It was grace overcoming and sitting on the law. It was the Ten Commandments being covered by grace and by blood, which means when you mess up, when you've got a gap in your life, His blood is the grace that mines the gap. His, his blood is the bridge that mines the gap. I don't know what gap you're facing. I don't know what difficulty you're facing, but I came all the way this morning in the first service to tell you this, that God sees your gaps. He sees your insufficiencies. He sees your addictions. He sees your disability. He sees the things you've been through. He sees the pain that you're walking through. And he said, I made provision for you by sending Jesus. Climb higher. Man of God, climb higher, woman of God. And when you're faithful to climb, I'll be faithful to come down. So what does that mean for us today? That means in our last couple moments, we're going to climb higher, which means we're going to turn our attention towards God. And as we do that, God is going to come right here, right in this place. And God spoke to me this morning. I was praying for you, and he spoke to me so clearly that some of you are facing some gaps that have made you want to give up. Maybe you got a gap in your marriage, or a gap in a relationship, or a gap in some finances, and it's made you just want to give up because there's been so much adversity and so much opposition. And I just want to go back to some of the lessons that God taught Moses. He taught him about his purpose, and he taught him about his power, and he taught him about his people. 
And if you've still got purpose, what do we say? He still has power. So whatever the gap is, whatever the, no matter how big the gap is, you see some of you have felt like the train of your destiny has passed you by. Jesus is the best gap insurance you ever bought. He covers everything that everything else didn't cover. His blood covers. Anybody ever had gap insurance before? Anybody ever benefited from gap insurance before? When everything else didn't cover it, gap insurance. Jesus is the gap insurance that covers everything in your life that you need covering. He's your grace. He's your comfort. He is your savior. He's your Messiah. He is your rock. He's your shelter. He is your comforter. He is the one who is here that will never leave us and never forsake us. He is the answer to all of life's problems. He is the pro- He is the solution to the problem of our culture. He is Jesus. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He was the one sent by God to be the atoning sacrifice. He is your mercy seat that sits upon your dysfunction and sits upon your broken law and broken commandments. He is Jesus, perfect in all that he is and loving in all that he does. His mind and his eyes are towards you today. And he says, no matter the gap, I got it. No matter what the gap is, I can cover it. You can face an impossible situation. You can face an impossible situation. And he can cover the gap. I don't know how he does it. I don't know. I don't know when he's going to do it. I just know we already made provision for when you would go through what you're going through. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.